as I prepared this week for this text, um, I, I really did get excited because if we really understand what God is saying here about us, about what we're, what we're here doing this morning, uh, about who we are as Restoration Church, I don't know how you don't get excited about it. It's, it's good stuff that God wants to do in and through us. And uh, I, while I'm excited about the text, I'm, I'm a little on the fence about my sermon title, to be honest. I'm just going to, full disclosure, it's kind of a mouthful, okay? Uh, as we've been talking about the Holy Spirit, we've been in a series talking about who the Holy Spirit is, what the Holy Spirit does, how the Holy Spirit works in believers and works in the church body. Uh, Kevin started uh, us off talking about spiritual gifts last week, and we're going to continue in that. And Paul's point as we get to the gifts of the church is that they are diverse, and, and, and really, I feel like this is his point, that there is a necessity of diversity. We need difference within the church in order for there to be unity among the people of God. And, and it's a little bit of a, a weird thing, right? Because diversity doesn't necessarily equal unity, right? In fact, sometimes quite the opposite. Diversity can actually cause division. But what Paul's argument is going to be as we look at it here in chapter 12 is that diversity is absolutely necessary to unity within the Christian community. That, that's, that's the heart of Paul's argument, and that's what we're going to be kind of unpacking as we go through this. And like I said, it's, it's exciting to me how God is, is working within a church body. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to getting into this text uh, with all of you this morning. And so as the Holy Spirit deals with diversity, he's going to deal with diversity in two pretty much opposite ways. On one hand, he's going to take our differences and make, and make them less significant. But on the other hand, he's actually going to make us more different. And that's what we just read in this text. Uh, in chapter uh, 12, verse 12, he says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all of the members of the body, though many are one body... So it is with Christ, for in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slave or free, all were made to drink of one spirit. So with regard to our differences, the first thing we see is the spirit makes us the same, right? The spirit of God makes us all the same. He, the biggest difference in Christian community, okay, this is important for us to understand, the biggest difference in Christian community is the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. It's not that we get together here every Sunday. It's, it's honestly not that we work really hard to care and be concerned for each other. Like, that's an important aspect of any community, right? But the fundamental difference of Christian community is the indwelling presence of God in us. That's a big deal, right? That's, that's a huge deal. That's the game changer for us. When we gather here, we're very different people, and that's what Paul's saying. We're a diverse group of people before God ever gets to us, right? Jews and Greeks, okay? Paul's using probably the most, uh, the best analogy or he, could, he had to talk about two different people. They were religiously different. For thousands of years, they were culturally different. They were at odds with each other culturally. And he says, you know what? The Spirit takes those two very different groups of people and he makes them the same. Why? Because you both were baptized by the one Spirit. 
you're both partakers in the same spirit. And so when we look, at, look around in this room and you look at the people around you, you know, don't make awkward eye contact with too many people, but in this room, there's different people. There's different cultures represented as it should be because it's not about being the same before we come to Christ, but it's about being the same through the spirit that God gives us, his spirit. So it doesn't matter how different we were before we came to Christ. And nothing that we're going to do after is going to make us more one than we already are because the spirit of God is in us. That's the most significant thing about us. That's what makes us Christian community. And that's why it works that it's necessary that there is diversity because that's what God's trying to accomplish. He's trying to call people from all different people groups to himself. And they're equal. They're the same. They're part of the one body. And so our differences don't matter in that sense. He takes all those significant things that were significant before and they, they pale in comparison when the reality is that we all are equal in the body of Christ. We all have the indwelling presence of the Spirit. That's what makes us different. It kind of reminds me, uh, a good friend of mine, Joel, actually Jake's, one of Jake's older brothers, Joel, he, him and I became great friends in our early college years. Uh, we, were, we were in ministry together. Uh, we grew up in the same youth group. And in our early college years, we, were, we would lead these youth groups to go around the, the Northwest and do ministry in, in small rural towns. We would help them reach out to their communities. And we, uh, a couple years, we did these trips for like eight to ten weeks out of the summer. So we were together a lot. And we grew really close during that time. And I remember I said something to Joel at some point that didn't really come off right. Uh, but there was truth there. Uh, I said, we were just sitting around talking one day, and I just had this thought. I was like, Joel, honestly, if we weren't Christians, I don't think we would be friends. And he was kind of like, what? <laughs> like, is that, how am I supposed to take that? Like... And, it, it, you know, I, I was kind of trying to explain what I was talking about. Like, a lot of the things that bring people together, hobbies, interests, whatever it is, like, we didn't really, that's not how we got to know each other. That's not how we became great friends. We became great friends because God was working in us, right? And we were passionate about, about helping others serve him and reaching other people. And so we became great friends. And, and, and that's for me, a, a perfect example of what Paul is saying here in these first couple of verses, that it doesn't matter how different you were, it doesn't matter how different you are, the biggest thing about us is the Spirit of God in us and what he is doing. And because of that, we can have great and close community. The funny thing is, though, so, so in, this, in this first instance, what, what's happening is, is the Holy Spirit diminishes the significance of our differences to bring us together. But you want to know what he does next when it comes to spiritual gifts? He makes us completely different, right? So on one hand, the Spirit, Spirit makes us the same. He brings us together. But when it comes to spiritual gifts and, and how we all function together, the Holy Spirit is actually responsible for making us different from each other. And that difference is actually the foundation of a, of a deeper, more profound unity. And that's what Paul's going to talk about next as he gets into this analogy of the body. So in verse 14, he says, For the body does not consist of one member but many. So Paul's going to use this analogy of the human body and how the different parts of the body all work together. 
and how all are needed and all are necessary. And, and he's going to say that's the church. That's what the Holy Spirit actually does in the church. He makes us different by design, on purpose. And so whenever, as we go through this analogy and you see members or parts, what Paul is talking about is people, right? So as you read through this analogy, he's talking about you. He's talking about us. He's talking about the different people in the church congregation that God has given specific things to for the good of the whole body. So the parts, they're people. They're people with gifts that God has given to them. And, and it's very, like, over five times, I tried to count in this chapter 12 alone, as Paul's talking, he breaks away and specifically says, God is the one doing this, okay? The Holy Spirit is the one who is, who is specifically making us different on purpose, different for a reason. And, and I just want to say, like, it, diversity, because diversity is kind of a cultural thing, right? And it's like diversity in and of itself like I said, initially, doesn't necessarily lead to unity. It can lead to division. But you see, the diversity the Spirit gives is by design. And, and the reason it's so helpful is because it's, the diversity means I need what you have. And that's the idea here. There's a dependence within the body of Christ. And so the Holy Spirit makes us different so that we can be better together, right? Right? Because when we come together, you have something. He's designed it that you have something that I need and I have something that you need. And that's true of every single person here. You know, differences can be dangerous. They can be divisive, right? And we don't always handle different well. At least, I mean, I don't, I don't think we do really very often do we handle difference well. I mean, if you're talking to somebody and they're like, and they're, you know, they respond to you. You ask, what about so-and-so? And your response is, they're different. Is that a positive thing? Usually not. It's a nice way of saying weird, okay? Weird or we might say, if we don't get along with somebody, right? Or we don't really enjoy being around a certain person. We just kind of say, well, we're different, right? So differences can be divisive. They really can. Actually, I think without the Holy Spirit, I think they are divisive. That's just in our, in our human fallenness, when our sin gets a hold of differences, we get insecure, and, and we start doing things, and we start competing and comparing ourselves, and it, it doesn't create unity, it creates division. But the Holy Spirit has a purpose, and if we're filled with him and we're following him, these differences bring about a profound unity within the body of Christ a deeper level of community within the body of Christ. So everyone is different. And you see, even in the Corinthian church, they weren't handling the difference as well, right? They were taking what the Spirit of God had given them to bring them together, and they were using it to drive people apart. I mean, that's how messed up we are, okay? Like the Holy Spirit gives you a gift that's useful and helpful for unity, and what do you do? You use it to divide the church. That's what was happening in Corinth. And I think as we read through Paul's analogy and what he's going to say to us here, we'll see how we're all prone to do that as well. Because as Paul talks about these differences, his, his primary point is that we're all different and everyone is needed. Everyone is needed for a church to, to, to function properly. 
He says in verse 15, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. See, you need to embrace your role because you are necessary. And don't let what you are not blind you to what you are, right? I mean, that's what Paul's saying. It's this ridiculous conversation, right, between the foot and the hand. I mean, like, I'm so glad my body doesn't do this. Like, I don't need this drama, okay, within my body. Like, but we do this as people, right? We look at what we are not, and it blinds us to what we are. Oh, because I'm not that person, or I don't have that ability or that skill, I'm not significant, I'm not needed, I'm not important. And what Paul is saying, think about a body. It's one unit. And all of the parts work together, and all of the parts are necessary. And it would be detrimental if this conversation started happening between the members of a body. And what he's saying is, that's what you're doing in the church. Do you understand? The Holy Spirit has made you different on purpose, by design, for a reason. And it's not helpful to compare yourself to someone else and, and, and focus on what you're not because God has made you something and you are necessary. Sure, the, the ear can't see, but it can hear and the body needs to hear. And each one of us is a part of the body. Each one of us is necessary. God has made the church so that we're not the same. We're not, we're not, there's not uniformity in the body of Christ. There's unity. And that unity is comprised of, of great diversity. And it has a purpose. We need each other. And I think Kevin said it last week towards the end of the sermon that real church happens when everyone participates. I think that's another way of looking at what Paul's saying here. Real church happens when everyone participates because everyone is needed. That's what he's saying here. It's by design. Like, this is not debatable, right? This is what God is doing. He's comprised the body of all of us, and we're all needed for the things that he wants to do in and through us. So what does that look like? Do you believe that you're needed? Are you necessary? I'm telling you, yes, you are, based on what God's telling us in his word right here. But what does that look like? And I think it's important for us to think through what, what is church? What do, what's our functional understanding of church? Because it's not just a day a week. It's not just an hour on Sunday. It's not just a sermon and some songs on Sunday. If that's our understanding of church, then I don't know how this makes sense. But if church is the people of God and what he is doing in and through them all the time, then this gets, that's when this gets exciting to me. Because it, what it's saying is God is, he's, he's called us to himself. And he's given us things to do and he's given us the things we need to do them with. And, and that's when, when church becomes this, this life-giving, exciting thing. When, when that's what we're after and that's what we're doing. And so I'm trying to think through, how, what does this look like? How does this work itself out? And one of the things that, that really drew my wife and I, to restoration, was just the heart that 
was being communicated for the church to be active in loving and serving and reaching out to the community. Like that's, that's a big thing. It's hard to do. And, and like as good as Kevin's sermons are, like they're not going to get it done, right? Like pre- <laughs> preaching good sermons in here on Sunday is part of our life. It's, it's necessary. It's a piece of the puzzle, but it's not going to get that done. That's going to take tons of other parts and pieces to make that happen and bring that to fruition. And I'll just share, I mean, at the expense of maybe ruining it, I've experienced this in our our life group recently, where, you know, we've been talking about, hey, we want to reach, we want to be reaching out. How can we reach out? What can we be doing? And we just recently did a little uh, Halloween event uh, in the neighborhood of one of our life group members. Like super simple thing. But it was, as I'm thinking about the gifts, I look at that and I'm like, man, everybody was participating. And, and as I look at how that came to, to fruition, it's like everybody did a different thing. Like some people like provided leadership. Some other people provided vision for, hey, why would we do this? How would we do this? How is this connected to what God's calling us to do? Other people were administrative, right? Like they kind of put it down on paper and made it happen. Other people just like made chili and showed up and brought tables and chairs and and you know other people like were there and it's kind of a weird scenario right like I'm at your neighborhood party and I'm not your neighbor like so it's kind of like okay why am I here okay I got to think of a way to say this you know but some people like clearly I don't the gift of gab I don't know like just boom just seamlessly I can talk to you even though you're not my neighbor like and it was for me it was it was a great experience. And, and, it was, and I think it was great because as I look at this and I think, what does this look like for everyone to participate, for everyone to be needed, and, and to see how God has gifted people to, to accomplish his work, like it's stuff like that where, where we're, we're stepping out and we're being who God has called us to be. And nobody was comparing themselves, right? No one was like, well, well since it wasn't my idea, I'm not going to do it. Like, I'm not going to participate. Or, or because, you know, you know I, don't make, I didn't make food, like, I don't really need to go. Like, it wouldn't have worked. The whole thing would just have fallen apart. But because everybody just came and brought what God had gifted them to do, like, I think it was a great thing. But it starts, I think, with us believing this. This idea that I am a part of this body and I am necessary. Not because I'm awesome. Like, Let's just get that out of there, okay? The Spirit gives us these gifts so that we can, we can serve and be a part of this body. So it's a matter of faith and believing what God is saying. Do you believe that you are necessary? What is your role, and do you believe that you're necessary? And if, if, you, if, you, if you do embrace it, use it. And some of us are going to be prone to not believe that. We're going to think, I'm not necessary to what's going on here at Restoration. You know, but there's a flip side of this. And that's, that's those that think they're a little more significant than they really are. Because that's what Paul's going to address next in verse 21. It says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor the head to the feet, I have no need of you. So it's important for us when it, with this idea of diversity in the church, like we need to embrace our role, but we also need to embrace the role of others. Like that's really important. 
that we embrace the way that God has specifically gifted and designed someone else to function in the body. We have to embrace the role of others. And I would say that the flip side of the other one is don't let what you are blind you to what you aren't because you ain't everything, okay? That's not a gift. Everything is not a gift that that God gives, okay? I don't know what Kevin's going to talk about next week about specific gifts, but everything I'm pretty sure is not one of them. Nobody's everything. And we, I'm going to just say, we got to speak honestly here. I think in the American church we struggle with this because we want certain people to be everything. And those people aren't everything. And, And honestly, in this analogy here of the head and the eyes, I do think that, that Paul is specifically talking about people that are more visible and upfront, right? The, I think he's very clearly kind of speaking to those people, saying, hey, like, you're not everything. There's other people and there's other parts and they're significant and important. You need them. No one part is sufficient without the other parts. And like I was saying earlier, in terms of the leadership of the church, like certainly they have a role and they cast vision. They say, hey, this is where we think God wants us to go. But the head and the eyes can't get there without the hands and the feet. Okay, we can talk about the vision for the church all day long and it can sound great and be good, but if the rest of the body doesn't step in and be what God made them to be, it won't happen. All the parts are necessary. And, and Paul doesn't give, it, this isn't just, Paul doesn't make a weak argument for all the parts are significant. Isn't that just sound great? Everybody's, good job, everybody. Like, it's not a weak argument. Because he goes on, he says, on the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have equal care for one another. What he's saying there is, the less visible people can be the most necessary parts. When it comes down to the work of God and what he's doing, you know, I mean, the eyes are great. Like, the hearing is great. It's necessary. It has its role. But what he's saying is you literally can't live without some of the parts that aren't visible. Like, you can live without being able to see. You can live without the ability to hear. And so you think that these gifts over here are so great because they're up front all the time. And they're the ones talking and, 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 and they're the more presentable ones. But in fact, if we're going to compare, I think Paul's saying, these people that have the gift of service, you can't live. You can't, the body can't live without them. Those, those are necessary. We need the less visible parts. And his whole point here, again, isn't to breed some kind of competition between the gifts, but quite the opposite. It's to help the prideful people say, you know what, I'm not, as, I'm not all I think I am. I'm blinded to the fact that I, I think I'm more important than I am, and I, I really need all these other, other parts of the body, all of the other ways that God has gifted other people to contribute to the body. 
And his, and his point as he wraps this, this sort of analogy up here is in verse 25 and 26 where he says that there may be no division in the body. Right? Remember, so like diversity, does it lead to unity? Like not necessarily. In fact, usually probably leads to division. And that's what it was doing here in the Corinthian church. But the Holy Spirit makes us different on purpose, by design. We need each other. And so it doesn't, it doesn't need to, to, to breed division. And in fact, it, it should draw us together in a more profound way because it's based on the Holy Spirit and what he is doing to make us one. It says in 26, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. What he's saying there is that our health is inseparable from the health of everyone else. So if there's people, and I think in the context of this chapter, if there's people who aren't involved or a part of what's happening, like meaning people that have gifts from the Holy Spirit for the good of the body, if there's people that are, that are sort of being shoved aside, like no one's, no one's healthy. Like the whole is hurting because of that. Like me and my well-being is tied to you and your well-being. That's, again, I think that's hard for us. In our, we tend to be a little bit individualistic in terms of our culture. That's, that's how we're wired. But, but what, what Paul's saying is that we're connected. And that my well-being is connected to your well-being. And it's important for me to be concerned about you and how you're thriving and how you're, how you're a part of the body and, and what God has gifted you to do. I need you and you need me. That's how, that's how God has designed the body. And when we talk about the gifts, they're not these separate things that are, that are for me, but, the, but they're given to me for you. And yours are given for the rest of the body so that we can accomplish God's purpose together. And so spirit-gifted communities are supposed to be, they're not supposed to compete, they're not supposed to disregard one another, but they're supposed to have concern for each other. And we need not be threatened by differences within this body because they were given to us by God for a purpose, to accomplish his mission and to be one cohesive body together. In verse 27, he says, Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. You have a part here at Restoration. Paul is talking to a local church congregation. That's the context of this, this whole conversation. He's talking to the Corinthian church. And now his word is speaking to us as Restoration Church. And that phrase is true. You are the body of Christ. And each one of you, every single one of us, individually are members of it. And you have a part. It's a necessary part. Your core identity is not what you were before, but who you are now. Now you, we are the people of God. We belong to him and we belong to each other. And he wants to do something in us and through us 
that no one of us is capable of, of doing on our own. And so next week, we're going to be looking more about specific gifts. For this week, I feel like I just want you to think about that. I mean, I hope you know that you're needed. And I hope that that knowledge just comes simply from faith, right? A belief in what God is saying in his word here. That if you belong to him, you have the spirit in you. And that he's given you something for this body. And I hope that you believe you need other people. I hope you believe that, that you don't have all that you need, but that God has so set it up that you need these people to, to be a part of what God wants to do through you. And so I would just close by asking you to think, what are you? What are you in terms of this analogy of the body? What, what has God given you? What has he given you to, to use and to serve and to help us as restoration accomplish our mission? And if you know what you are, how are you functioning here? Are you functioning here? And my hope and my prayer is that we, we, we really start to see, you know, God continue to, to grow us all individually but together as a church body. And we see him using everyone here to accomplish his purpose together. Pray with me.